Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. Welcome to another shot of philosophy. And today we're finally going to finish with Plato. This is the fourth pathway to a more fulfilling life, according to the book Great Thinkers by the School of Life. As we've said in the past with these episodes, Plato believed in eudaimonia as the highest good that we could pursue. And in this section, the key question is, how could a society reliably help people towards fulfillment? So society, I think, you know, has a lot of different parts within it. Obviously, what we're doing right now, if you're listening to this podcast, is kind of a result of my work in the classroom. So I think education is an important issue here. It's one that actually the School of Life touches on in sort of like the uh, the breakdown of this suggestion from Plato that we should change society in order to create a society that promotes fulfillment, right? So in the mention of that, the book, I think, really nicely talks about Sparta, right, where the key aim was to produce um, a society that was very powerful in regards to the military, right? So that was their main goal. And it was very clear in the way that the Spartans uh, sort of created their daily lives even, right? Everything from their daily lives, their laws, was really centered on that one thing. How do we be a military power? So before we get into this idea of like, how could we change our society to help us more reliably pursue fulfillment, right? We might say, well, what does our society currently ask us and encourage us to pursue? So I think wealth, I think fame is a big one, especially with our phones, right? Ultimately, you want likes. That's a, that's To me, that's a drive to be famous. It's a drive to be known. I think money, another one, you know, really highly encouraged. Um, what else, right? Think about this for yourselves and we could go, you know, large scale like society. We can go, I would say, even just our daily communities that we're a part of, like what virtues are encouraged, what things are we encouraged to pursue? And then how does fulfillment play a role in that, right? So we've talked about eudaimonia already, but just to kind of continue to unpack a little bit, right? It's fulfillment and there are certain elements to it that we want to consider, right? The idea that we want to leave the world a better place as a result of our being in it, right? And again, world could mean our whole lives. I think we could on a daily basis interpret that in a really interesting way too, where it's like, I want to leave the workplace better than when I left. I want to leave this conversation I want to try to offer this person something good, something helpful, something truthful, right? So the idea of when we leave could imply this life, but it could also imply, <coughs> excuse me, it could also imply all the places that we occupy in general, right? Our friendships, our family relationships, our relationship with our significant other, again, our work. So that type of eudaimonia approach, again, makes room for pain, makes room for suffering and sorrow. And we understand that those things are parts of life. And it also makes room for happiness. And it makes room for goals and pursuing goals and failing, right? So it's a larger sense that we approach life with the intention of engaging with it. And trying to ultimately improve ourselves and improve the world. I would say are important parts of eudaimonia. Because I think a lot of the meaning and fulfillment in life comes from the pursuit. Not necessarily the acquisition or the accomplishment or the achievement itself. And those are great too, right? But those are fleeting. They come and go. So we want to turn ourselves to our daily lives with the sense that we're pursuing something and that we're engaging with the world, you know, in a full way and our experiences in a full way, right? So we're learning from all these things. We're growing from these things. And it's a certain posture, right? It's a posture of self-improvement. And it's, a, uh, let's say it's a posture or let's say an inclination to engage with the world to offer it something good.
right? Which is important. So on that note, again, sorry if that was unnecessary, but these are interesting uh, suggestions he's giving. So in a society, number one, he's saying, or you know, again, the school of life is saying from Plato's perspective, we need new heroes. Right off the bat, ask yourself, who are your heroes? Who do you admire? Because he says here, it really matters whom we admire. Because celebrities influence our outlook, ideas, and conduct. And bad heroes give glamour to flaws of character. So examine this. I think having people to admire is important because those are the people that we're going to likely learn from. Who are your mentors? And again, we go to the bigger picture, right? Who does society encourage us to admire? Why? And does that align with fulfillment? Does it align with goodness and truth and justice and wisdom? Interesting questions, maybe. The book goes on to elaborate about this a little bit by saying these people who Plato thinks we should admire, right, would be distinguished by their record of public service, their modesty and simple habits, their dislike of the limelight, and their wide and deep experience. So, do we admire people with simple habits? Do we admire people for their modesty? Do we admire people for their service? Do we admire people because they're not striving for the limelight? I just a moment ago said, in my opinion, our society encourages us to pursue fame. That's the opposite of that, right? Fame might be a preferred indifferent, right? I want to do good things. It'd be nice if people knew about the good things that I do. But if we're pursuing fame for its own sake or if we're pursuing fame in the wrong order, right, which is to say I want to be famous first and I'll worry about how I get famous second, we're going to have a problem. And if we admire people who have done that, we're also going to have a problem. So maybe we need to reevaluate our mentors, the people we admire, and our heroes, and choose different ones. Is sort of what Plato is saying here, right? In ancient Greek society, you know, we could talk about Odysseus and Achilles, among many other heroes. Those just come to mind initially, right? Who, you know, were sort of figures that they were figures, and I think they were also stories that like people would tell their kids. Right, we talk about Sisyphus, right? Don't be arrogant or else you're going to get punished forever. Then, of course, Camus reinterprets that. But ultimately, right, the stories we tell as a society are really important. So let's move on a little bit here. The next one he mentions is we need censorship. And he goes on to say, continuous exposure to a storm of confused voices was, Plato thought, seriously bad for us. So he wanted to limit the activities of public orators and dangerous preachers. So again, I, I want to interpret this more for the sake of the podcast on an individual note, right? Do you provide yourself with some, I would say, required censorship in the face of the fact that we live in the information age? Right. We, this immediately makes me think of something we've discussed in the podcast already, which is like our consumption habits. Right? Con a storm of confused voices. That could be an Instagram feed. That could be your Twitter feed influencing you in ways that you don't want it to. So how do we learn how to handle that influence, right? <clears throat> Perhaps decrease its frequency and intensity. And then also how do we learn how to respond to that? Because ultimately it's just one other external thing. And again, if, you know, obviously Plato's writing thousands of years ago, right? And he even was like, wow, some people say wild stuff. Some people say things that aren't true. Some people say things that aren't helpful. Some people say things that are hurtful. Well, how do we deal with this? It's like, well, someone should maybe encourage these people. Again, these people, in this case, being like people who would get into, like, let's say, the Agora or the marketplace and start speaking. Like, let's maybe talk to them like, hey, 
people can hear you. Let's have some responsibility here, right? So maybe a part of a eudaimonic society is one where we hold each other accountable for what we say, for the truthfulness of it, right? These are really good ideas, I think. And again, for us on an individual level, we hold ourselves accountable for what we, you know, what we expose ourselves to. And we are, you know, deliberate around what we consume. This is also like if you have an annoying friend or if you have a friend who like on a specific topic annoys you or on a specific topic, you don't like what they say. Like, how do you censor that conversation? You have to learn how to take control of it. You have to learn how to guide it, learn how to change the topic. It's a small example, but we go society large to society small. And I think we can see all the levels of impact we might be able to have more easily. The next one, we need better education, right? The primary thing we need to learn in school is not just math or spelling, but how to be good. We need to learn about courage, self-control, reasonableness, independence, and calm. This is why you need your own curriculum, right? And I, I'm a firm believer in this. I'm passionate about this as someone who came from academia, right? Um, we miss a lot in school. We miss how to be financially literate in school. So then it becomes you know, incumbent upon us, it becomes our responsibility to educate ourselves. Right, especially for those of us who are not actively engaged in changing the education system, because that's just not our job. We have other things to do, reasonably so. We need to at least take control of our own curriculum. Right, and the things he's saying here, courage, self-control, reasonableness, independence, and calm. You could go on YouTube right now. Hopefully this podcast has been uh, educational in some way, right? You can go on YouTube right now and start making your own curriculum. You can go look at audiobooks. You could go order some books and sit down and read them for 10 minutes a day. There are deficits in our education system. We don't teach people how to be calm, and we should. You can go on YouTube right now. Once again, Daily Stoic, calm. The School of Life, calm. And you'll find some really great content. Right? We have to learn how to educate ourselves in a world where our education system has so many failings. Okay? So, for example, with Plato, right? Plato founded a school called the Academy in Athens which flourished for over 400 years. You went there to learn nothing less than how to live and die well. It's fascinating and not a little sad how modern academic institutions have outlawed this ambition. We don't talk about how to live well. That's one thing I really hope hopes to offer and hope to offer on this podcast, just thoughts about that and also like in my teaching, right? These are really important questions. How can I be courageous? How can I control myself? How can I be reasonable, right? We have to address them. So again, I suggest whether it's this podcast and or other sources, you take this idea from Plato seriously. You can educate yourself. And the final one, which I don't really have too much to say on, would be we need better childhoods. Because what he does say here, which I think is interesting from, from my perspective, because again, I'm not, uh, I don't think I have much to offer here, right? Is pretty often parents transmit their confusions and failings to their children. So what he sort of suggests is that a society should provide wise guardians for children. And I'm summarizing here and I'm grabbing what I think is helpful, right? I think that's, you know, an interesting idea. I think he's a little bit extreme the way he go, the direction he goes in. So let's keep it here just for the sake of the podcast, right? How could that idea help you? The idea that pretty often parents transmit their confusions and failings to their children. The idea just of transmitting ideas in general is very interesting to me. We could think for a moment how our families, how our friends have transmitted certain ideas to us and how we have then either unknowingly accepted them and, you know, believe them to be true without questioning them. 
um, and how we might learn how to question the ideas that have been transmitted to us and or that might still be actively transmitted to us. Because our parents are our parents, or we could even say, I would, you know, extend this, right? Grandparents, whoever we were around during our formative years, especially, you know, unknowingly, I would even say at times, were responsible for transmitting ideas to us. And we have to question these things. And I think, you know, I'm not sure who listens to this, obviously, but I would imagine a large portion of us would be adults, right? We have to go back and this is really big with the school of life. They really encourage us kind of think about our childhoods in greater detail, with greater intensity, to figure out how we could improve upon the perceptions, the beliefs, the values that we've, again, that were transmitted to us and that we've carried forward with us to see what we could remove for, once again, not being truthful, not being helpful, not being fair, not being wise, and what we actually want to keep. So I hope this was helpful. That'll be it for Plato. We'll see if we stick with this book. We might move on to some other ones. We'll see how it goes. But I do hope that these four approaches that we've had have been helpful to help you pursue a more fulfilling life. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.